0: Hey, welcome to the Default Live Podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Chris, happy Monday.
1: Happy Monday. Happy November 1st.
0: November. Whew. Oh man. Happy uh, happy pre election day as well. Yes, <laughs> it's gonna be a wild week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know what to expect. I guess I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah, honestly, I have no idea. It's it's always weird, you know. It comes around every four years, right? But um, every time it feels new, surprising, scary, like all the things, and just I don't know. Never, I don't know. Maybe I've I need to have a couple more elections under my belt for it to feel more normal but it still feels like it's just big deal and i don't even know how i'm going to get work done this week
1: yeah no totally agree it's it's like you said every four years it feels like this is the deciding moment the the fate of the u.s (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and, and, i mean don't get me wrong it's, it's definitely important but it it does make i think you know being productive and, and getting work done more of a challenge for sure.
0: Oh yeah, hugely challenge. I mean it's and it's not even like I'm I'm sort of more in the camp of like the president doesn't have like a ton of power. They're more like an influencer. You know, there's lots of other factors at play. Even if the person you don't want becomes president, like the world doesn't end and it would take many, many, many years to undo sort of this, you know, great thing we have going despite its flaws but it's just like the mental space like the mental mind share of like what do the polls look like and like what's gonna happen and you know how am I gonna feel about it and like what do we do on Wednesday when we like know who's gonna be our president and I don't know how you just like go about business as normal so maybe I don't know maybe we shouldn't maybe you should I don't know
1: yeah no totally agree Uh and and will we even know on Wednesday? I mean, they're talking about how with all no, the mail-in true. ballot voting this year, it could take a long time to count. And hmm. yeah, that that like everything with coronavirus on top of it, it it does seem somewhat unique uh, this time around.
0: It's the perfect way to end twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> Pand- and we have the COVID cases spiking again here in the U.S. Um, yeah. I think more due to I've heard it's mainly sort of the Midwest or rural areas. Um, so it's, I don't know, maybe it just kind of made its way out that way. I have no idea, but it's, what a wild time. I, it's, um, I know it's kind of cliche, but un- unprecedented, uh, you know, it doesn't really encapsulate it all.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in, in, in the backdrop of all of that, we're trying to build profitable businesses and you almost have to take a step back and, you know, it's like worrying so much about that in the grand scheme of things. I don't know. It it puts everything in perspective. I think.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah, we're trying this crazy thing of trying to make a living online selling <laughs> selling products. Yeah. But uh, this I didn't realize this will this will come out on the third on election day. So if you're listening, go vote. Definitely vote. Please exercise your your power and, and right as a citizen and. Participate in democracy, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just roll through our updates, business as normal, a little bit. Even it's not completely normal, but um, happy election to everyone. (laughs) Indeed. Yeah. So, what's new with you? What's what's top of mind?
1: Yeah. um, Kind of a a little bit of a roller coaster week. It it was. Started off really good. Um, like I said, kind of, I'm back in the saddle now, feeling good about things and uh, having fun again and just working on the product. It's It's been a lot of fun. And uh, last week released the, uh, shipped a new feature, which is this, I think I've talked about on here, this uh, ability to import boosters um, from another project. So, yeah. Um, this is kind of <laughs> it's interesting because this is kind of just something that i wanted to build um, it wasn't necessarily like a lot of people were asking for this um, so mm. basically now when and the reason i want to build this is because i was uh, you know i've been working with these webflow freelancers to build these jet Boost demo clonable sites um, that someone can clone in webflow and I want them to be these like templates, like the first one was a job board um, that if somebody wants to build a job board, they can really easily uh, and quickly clone the site in Webflow and and basically build a working job board. Uh, you obviously, from your experience, know um, approximately how long that might take. So <laughs> yeah, hoping that this will be a, a real like quick starter for somebody um, that wants to build a site like that. And as part of that, um, while you could always clone the project in Webflow, you couldn't previously clone the Jetboost setup that came along with it. So uh, you would have to go and basically reset up Jetboost. And now, as of last week, you can also clone the Jetboost portion of it um, through your your Jetboost account. So I am pretty excited about this. I think it's really cool. Uh no one has actually used it yet though. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um it's it's funny. I've checked a few times and uh I've tested it on a few different like webflow and jetboost accounts that I have just to make sure like is this feature even working? Um mm. and it does appear to be working. So uh you know the the feedback when I launched it on Twitter was really positive. Uh people seem pretty excited about it. No one's actually used it yet. Uh which I guess is uh You know, I would say so far, almost every single feature I've built for JetBoost has been because somebody has asked for it. And this is one of the first times where I built it more because I wanted to see it exist. Uh, so maybe that's, that's a good lesson right there,
0: Mm.
1: but I'm not too worried about it because, and I think I may have mentioned this last time, uh, the, this feature is sort of the start of. Will be a much more useful feature that I know people have been asking for, which is the ability to transfer boosters between projects, uh, not just like Webflow clonable projects, but uh, particularly for Webflow freelancers to transfer a JetBoost setup to their client after they transfer uh, right. the Webflow project to their client. Um, yeah. So that's something I do manually for people right now. And, um, uh, it'll basically reuse a lot of this code. Uh, it just needs the UI on top of it now.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, it has me thinking, like, I wonder if it's one of those things where it's like, well, people haven't used it yet because they haven't needed to yet, or it's, you know, it only happens when uh, someone clones something or when they're transferring or, or whatever. And like, maybe that just hasn't been like a real use case yet. Or I wonder if it's, um, I don't know, maybe there's some other, like, hidden thing. Like there's an anxiety around uh, creating a new free Jetboost account. Or like, is it free? Or if, if people are confused about sort of what to do and connect the dots between, you know, cloned and Webflow to mm-hmm. set up in, in Jetboost. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I would, I'd be curious to you, like for all the people who it, have like looked at it or checked it out in some capacity who are they? And like, did they have a reason to use it or did they not possibly? And Mm -hmm. it's just not in front of the right people yet. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I I think that that that's definitely part of it. Um, I, I think the last I checked on Webflow, maybe 30 people have cloned it. So again, we're not talking about huge numbers. Um, and I'm sure a good portion of those are just checking it out. It's not necessarily someone who's like, trying to launch a job board this week. So, um, yeah, not, not too surprising there. Um, Hmm. but I guess it not too surprising, but also somewhat surprising to me just based on like the kind of public feedback that it it seemed to receive. Um, Hmm. but yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah, then so. Uh, kind of the, the other thing about that though, that was, I guess, good about last week was, uh, so I shipped that and was kind of just feeling the momentum from it. And so I started working on what has been the number one feature request over the last, uh, nine months, probably. So, (laughs) so I guess going from, uh, something that nobody has asked for to now the, the number one feature request, uh, It made pretty good progress on it last week. So this is, um, maybe I won't dive into the details too much because this is like very Webflow specific, uh, (laughs) but this is support for Webflow's option field data type, uh, Uh, so both for the
0: switch, right? Oh, wait, no, the option is different from the switch, right?
1: Yeah. Um, switch is another one that's been asked for a few times, but the option field is by far. The, the one that's been asked for the most for both search and filtering. Mm. Um, I haven't done it yet because, oh man, and as I was diving into it, there was like even more complications <laughs> than I originally thought. <laughs> um, just as far as, uh, the, like there's no way for Jetboost to really know if, if somebody edits uh, the available options or adds or deletes options. Uh, So I have to do a lot of tricks there in order to make sure JetBoost has the correct data. Um, Hmm. But yeah, it's I guess for anyone who hasn't used Webflow, um, there are two types of fields in Webflow that are very similar. One is the option field and one is a reference field. Uh, And basically both, when you add it to your CMS collection, it allows you to uh, when you create new items to choose from a list of options to assign that data field. So you might have a field called color on your collection. And every time you create a new, uh, item there, you select a color from the list of options, whether it's like red, yellow, green, whatever. Um, and you can use an option field to do this, or you can use a reference field to do this. And Oh, that's right. JetBoost has always supported reference fields um, for certain reasons, but Webflow has limitations around reference fields. The main one being you're only allowed to use five of them. So, if you wanted to filter your list by more than five different criteria, uh, right now using JetBoost, it's pretty difficult. Uh, there are some workarounds, but they're not very obvious. So, uh, this will be a, a really big addition to uh, the filters and a really big roadblock for people right now.
0: Interesting. Could I, could I ask a question that might take us down a tangent <laughs> or a rabbit hole sure. briefly? Yeah. Um, which is, I've been sort of curious and fascinated with the sort of um, customer research slash like product research process and I'm curious how you approach so you know you mentioned like well this has been the number one requested feature for the last, you know, 9 months. Like how is that recorded and like how are you keeping track of that or combining collecting and then eventually prioritizing that feedback? Or also where is that feedback coming <laughs> from?
1: Yeah. Um so that feedback tends to come from either people reaching out on chat support, uh email, Or there's even a, it used to be more prominent, but there is a form on the marketing site, like, hey, if Jetboost doesn't support your use case, like send us a message or fill out this form and kind of describe what you're trying to do. So there's a few different places it comes from. um, But the majority is from people who are actually already using the product. Hmm. And I would say... Historically, I was not as great about capturing that. It was more of just, again, for a long time, I was like holding most things just in my head and, and not necessarily writing them down. And uh, But I would say probably around uh, maybe March, uh, as the volume of users increased, uh, that's when I started taking note of, okay, I can't just before i could just kind of build new features as people asked for them uh, but now i have to actually start writing things down and, and prioritizing them so it's gone through a bit of evolution of first i tracked everything in evernote um, and then i tried moving everything into clubhouse where i was tracking like backlog and stuff like that and mm-hmm. now i'm kind of back into more just note-taking which I'm, I'm using obsidian for now um, all right but yeah so i'll just write down uh i try to copy paste their entire message so i have the request in their own words without me uh editorializing it that's something that i learned from uh amy hoy and alex hillman of uh, 30 by 500 uh, yeah. which is also useful for then uh writing copy about that features, you can use your, uh, users and customers own words, uh, which is tends to create very strong copy. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I try to save what they asked for, uh, who it was their email address, and, uh, then I'll write any notes in there as far as like, maybe I have some initial ideas about how the implementation might work or. Uh, thoughts on uh, maybe some like gotchas or, or challenges that there might be with this. Uh, and then every other time somebody asks for it, I will just uh, add their email to that note and um, increase the, the tally as far as uh, the number of people that have asked for it. Hmm. So that's kind of my process what? for it what made
0: you switch from Evernote to clubhouse and then from clubhouse to obsidian?
1: Yeah. Um, Evernote was starting to get a little unwieldy as far as I was, I was writing a lot of stuff, but I was having trouble then resurfacing it at the right times. Um, cause it's just like, hmm. like just a long list of notes, uh, had one notebook for Jetboost. Um but I've always found it hard to use tags um and remember to tag things and find those tags later. Uh so at the time I, I started moving uh the develop the development backlog into Clubhouse. Uh I was also trying to do like marketing backlog in there as well. I never really found a great system for um merging the two and, and managing everything. And like any, any system I've ever used as far as being on a software development team, like the backlog always ends up just growing so large and you can't manage everything. Um, so I I really don't know what the answer is there yet. Uh, Hmm. and I've also found like, I always end up back in note-taking apps where I, I just have like a checklist or or a to-do list and that's when I I'm just able to kind of like crank things out and just knock off one bullet point after another versus trying to move cards around and put them in the right column. And like, I just end up ignoring that and, um, right. t- taking quick notes. So yeah, that's, uh, I guess, and the reason I ended up at, in Obsidian over Evernote was, uh, you know, all the kind of hype around Rome and, um, led me looking into this idea of backlinking a little bit. And, um, I can't really remember how I found obsidian versus Rome, but, uh, obsidian is like the first software I've used where I was like, whoa, it, it feels like somebody like jumped into my head and built this software for me. Like I, <laughs> I loved it from the very first sight. Like it's, it has Vim modes so <laughs> you can like. I love the the Vim commands. I use them. Uh, I have a Chrome extension where I can use Vim commands. I now I can use it in Obsidian. I obviously use it in in uh, VS Code doing development. And that to me was just like I, don't, I actually don't even know. Maybe Rome has that, but that was like a total game changer for me. Um, and the fact that everything's stored in Markdown is just local on your computer. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been really cool. I I enjoy that product a lot.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The reason why I ask is there's been sort of like these threads connecting my head, sort of a couple different ideas marinating that are converging a little bit, which is uh, one, like my sort of overall thesis that marketing is becoming less and less about marketing and more and more like cross-functional and cross-department and kind of cross-discipline where marketing is more... uh, there's more research involved but there's also sort of more product involved where you're you know you pr- marketing and sales a lot of times on the front line of what do people want what do they care about so how does that inform the product roadmap or the future requests or you know what's getting prioritized uh, also the research you know of like how are people talking <coughs> about our product what are they asking for what kind of questions are they asking that we can use to tweak the landing page or the sign up process or the onboarding or things like that um it is connected to, to backlinking and Rome and obsidian in a way because, uh, one of the other threads I've had, I've had marinating for a while has been from, um, Oh dang it. What's the, what's the base camp book? Oh, shape up. Um, I really love shape up the book. And also one of the things that they talk about, um, namely, uh, Ryan is how they don't have a backlog and they mm-hmm. don't have like this thing, you know, so, but it, a lot of people ask, and I also ask like, well, what do you do then? How do you capture ideas and information and sort of have like a log? And And their thesis, their their idea was like, well, if it's important, like, it'll just like come up again and again and again, or it'll just like be something that someone pitches to the team. And while I, I sort of agree, I also think that there's like a missed opportunity there for like, well, what are all the different connections of what people are saying? And like, if you were really, sort of customer driven and you wanted to always be looking to the customer to inform every part of your business, then you should have something. But I agree that it's not the backlog that should be sort of like the things. Then it ends up, you know, one, everyone thinks like, oh, this is what we're building when Mm -hmm. in reality, like all things are up for consideration and it's sort of changing around all the time Two is that it's in with like the things you're planning, which is really not the same thing. Right. Um, and three, there's no way to connect to uh, what people are saying and how it links with other ideas, uh, and so you just get like these cards, you know, in Clubhouse of like um, uh, like imports um, boosters when you know you when you clone a webflow project, right? Uh, when in reality, there's, there's a whole bunch of different things in there that's also related to mm-hmm. um, moving around different projects or uh you know moving between different JetBoost accounts or you know right it's it's connected and it's threaded it's backlinked to a bunch of different feature requests ideas broader themes that are informing the roadmap um and even you know what people care about right if, if you know that it's the most requested feature that's cuz you've kept some sort of tally and hopefully you would have then what people are saying about it so anyways i've just been going down the rabbit hole of like how do people and and who captures all this information and then synthesizes it into actions, whether that's feature requests, changes in the website, changes on the onboarding. Um, so anyways, that's, that's a long way of saying or of explaining why I'm asking.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And, uh, that does a good job of describing why I stopped recording feature requests in clubhouse. Uh, and and did move them to obsidian because like you said in clubhouse it's just kind of card after card after card of things that uh, have no categories or you don't know the relationships like you said and you know i didn't even realize i was doing this but actually in my notes in obsidian i have the the import booster feature and all the notes about it and then I have a link to the transfer boosters, um, which is like, mm. like you said, related feature, but not quite the same. And yeah. that makes so much sense for uh, keeping notes on both of those, and and surfacing that relationship. Um, yeah.
0: And to be fair, Clubhouse does have, they have like a related uh, do, or yeah. linked cards. But it's not it's not exactly the same or it's it's a little bit um like brute force of just like i remember at Metrics, you know creating a card and then like linking to everything <laughs> because i was yeah, like well yeah it's it's related to onboarding it's related yeah. to this one feature it's related to the new you know uh page that we're pushing on the site like it's related to all these different things but there isn't a nuance in how it's related um so yeah that's interesting because it, it's If you think about sort of like the flow or the, the order of operations between sort of like the inputs that you're getting from customers or even your own ideas and the outputs of what do you do, what you build, how you talk about it, there's a lot of fuzziness in between there. And um, there isn't like a, I feel like there's especially a big disconnect between ideas and, and plans
1: yeah yeah I agree with that. And I think yeah, one of the nice things about Rome or obsidian or or these note taking tools is they're more they give you like just enough structure, but they're more freeform uh, right So you know I have different folders for here are feature requests for the existing boosters. Here are feature requests that would probably be brand new boosters. Here are just feature requests for within, Mm. um, you know, the JetBoost application, maybe changes to the dashboard or whatever. Uh, but then the fact that you can cross link between those two, uh, you can have a different folder. Like I have a folder, uh, like upcoming where these are the ones I'll probably consider for next development. Uh, but you're kind of free to structure that how you want it's not uh, you know, follow this, this agile process or this Kanban process, uh, which I think is probably a little bit more of what the, you know, base camp team does with shape up.
0: Mm, Right. A little bit more assembly line kind of cut and dry, like, okay, here's what we're, let's, let's pitch something. And then if that's interesting, let's keep moving it down the assembly line until eventually it's built. Um, but maybe lacking some of that context of what it relates to and you know one of the other things um i always had a hard time with clubhouse was like who is who is this for and how, like who does this affect you know and especially when you're trying to do um cory gwen actually just uh shared something on twitter where he's talking about the rice framework and sort of like um quantifying all the different parts so like reach um impact confidence and ease and like basically like creating like a formula out of that and uh and so thinking about like each feature request, you know like is this for current customers Is this for new customers is this you know which plan does this uh affect if you have multiple tiers um within your product uh you know what what things need to come out of this is there a new page that needs to be built or is there you know uh, a notification needs to go out to a subset of customers Uh, so anyways, a bunch of different things too that it it connects to besides what it is, but also who it's for.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think about it. I don't know if I've been quite that sophisticated yet. (laughs) Um, but if you, yeah, if, if you don't keep that in mind, then that is a good way to end up, you know, I, I guess I've tried to look at features from, uh, how high is the effort for this and how high might the impact be? So if something is, Mm. uh, you know, high effort and low impact, or at least in my estimate, then probably going to table that one for a while. But if it's, you know, the opposite where it's low effort and high impact, then that's like probably going to be the next thing to work on.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll have to pull that thread a little bit more (laughs) later. Keep letting that one marinate, but
1: yeah, no, you, uh, you really got me thinking about that because I, I hadn't considered that problem before, like it, it was more just, I was facing it without realizing it. So I was changing the process and trying to figure out what process worked for, for me at least. Uh, and again, that's just for, uh, myself doing the development alone on it. I'm sure things are, would also be different with a team as well. And trying to figure out the kind of multiplayer version of that and how things all fit together.
0: Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I, I'm really interested in like the, uh, personally as a marketer, I feel like um, marketers aren't at the product table enough, or, you know, if you really think about what marketing and sales is, like it's, it's the front line, right? And so, especially I think when you get to, uh, you know, when, when you get to, a team basically where there's multiple people doing different things right and you need something that sort of brings them together but also uh, everyone comes with a different perspective right and so like the product people of course you know are gonna have the most opinion about what it is and how it should look but the marketing sales people might have the most opinions about um, who it's for mm-hmm. and how to talk about it and what's useful about it right like what the sort of value is because that's what they're hearing of This is why people aren't buying because we're missing these features or our marketing is hearing, um, you know, this is what's not making us, uh, or this is why competitors are beating us or why we can't position ourselves very well is because, um, we don't have X, Y, and Z right, or or we do things this way. We should, you know, more cater uh, to these people. These, these are the features that affect. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. I think even, you know, someone on the marketing side has a better, uh, view as to like, who are the people that are coming in and having success with the product? Um, who's mm-hmm. maybe turned off by right. it, or it's not the right fit for them. And do we have the ability to try to cater to those those people more? Or do we just focus on uh, the group that it's working for and uh, kind of double down there? So
0: yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, oops.
1: Yeah. What else is new with you? Uh, So I have one question for you about uh something i've been thinking about uh, along the marketing lines mm, uh, particularly twitter marketing okay so when i first started jet Boost, i had almost no followers on twitter uh, and i i didn't even consider having like a jet Boost twitter account it was just it was already enough work to <laughs> tweet from my own account like i wasn't a big Twitter user in the first place. Um, so I just started tweeting about what I was working on with Webflow and, uh, slowly over time, uh, you know, some people started following me and, and learning about JetBoost through that way. And, uh, you know, even now I, I think I'm still under 2000, uh, followers. So it's not like a huge amount or anything, but, uh, definitely more than the 40 that I started with. <laughs> so, uh, at some point. I created a Jetboost Twitter account because it felt like the thing to do, I guess, um, because I noticed that if people were talking about it in context with other products, they would tag those other products' handles. There was no handle for Jetboost. So then they'd have to either just re- like leave it out and just write Jetboost, or maybe they would put in the, the website URL like jetboost.io, um, which is what I always did. And so I created the Jetboost Twitter account, did nothing with it for like six months. And I think now it's got around maybe 500 followers. And so the way I've been using it is just retweeting people who uh, tweet about Jetboost, like maybe they built something cool with it. uh, So to like help showcase what they built, or if they, you know, uh, wrote kind of like a nice comment, like, oh my God, I got started so quickly, or I can't believe I built this. I'll retweet those because it's kind of like a basically right now the Jetboost Twitter feed is like a more just for like social proof, I guess. Um, right. I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts of like would it at some point would it make sense to switch over to using the Jetboost account and like maybe I retweet it from my personal account. Uh, I've kind mm. of just followed what uh, like Ben Tossel from MakerPad. Like I always followed Ben, but not necessarily MakerPad. Um and I think I've seen that with other brands too. Like I do, is there a bare metrics Twitter? I'm sure there is, but like I follow Josh, um, and I followed you right. obviously when you were there, but not necessarily bare metrics, uh, the company brand. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to bring that up. Uh because I've actually I've been I've been feeling kind of well, I've had two things wondering. One is Um, I've been wondering if we should create a Twitter account for this podcast Mm. um, because I just wasn't sure like is that how people want to keep up to date or is that like a good way to sort of like post you know when there's a new episode or something Um, but two is I've been feeling guilty about not doing anything with the swipe files uh, Twitter account but then I so I've also had a lot of other things, and and I think this is where I've landed. Is I mean, one, I I do believe very strongly that your personal account and persona and sort of personal brand, quote unquote, as it were, is much more effective and valuable than the company brand and account. Um, I think that it's just people want to follow other people, especially yeah. on something like Twitter, where it's very like, you know, it's very quick, it's very you know, real time. Um, sort of stream of consciousness from people like a company account isn't the most effective thing to follow it's not the thing that people want to connect with they want to connect with the people behind the company account it's funny I actually mentioned because today I was I was looking and I was was sort of thinking about how uh, Shopify just released a huge update where they've basically um, announced and officially launched their like subscription capability within their api as along with a bunch of new apps and upsells uh capability like working with new companies uh cardhook being one of them jordan over at the bootstrap web podcast podcast and Topi tweeted about it and he didn't even like link the shopify <laughs> account he didn't even like retweet you know like quote retweet the shopify announcement like he just wrote out the whole thing and it has like a bazillion retweets and likes and comments, you know, and and replies. And, um, I was like, that's so interesting. Like, I love, I love that. But like thinking about it, like, I I wonder why that is. And it's just, I don't know, so much more effective coming from the founder that people want to connect with people. Um, so where I've been leaning, what, what I've been trying to do is to treat the company account more like, like a ticker or like a, um, just like a, a stream almost like a like a change log or just like a, a what's new kind of account of like okay if you want if you're a user or if you're interested in sort of like the progress of Shopify, of Jetboost, of swipe files, like follow it to get updates specifically about what's new or what's newsworthy within Jetboost. Or it could even be from like the broader ecosystem as well. But then like all of the content, all the sharing behind the scenes, I would probably I would would recommend that the founder or some sort of, you know, uh, face of the brand actually does all that content. Um, So I think it it just has more potential, like there's sort of a cap on a company account, whereas with a person, there's unlimited, you know, people are never going to have second thoughts about retweeting from a person.
1: Mm hmm. So you're saying you would know. put updates under the company account?
0: I would I would put updates on the company account, but I would have it be like a very like curated, thoughtful stream of updates, like like a change log, right? Or like here's a new blog post or but then like everything new, everything behind the scenes, all the big like announcements would also or maybe like maybe a better way of saying it is I like primarily come from you and like mm-hmm. secondarily be from the company account. Um, at least that's how I would, I would think about it.
1: Yeah. I like that. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> I,
0: I have a tweet thread. I'll maybe I'll pull it up to find like a couple of examples really quick, but, um, Tim, uh solo from a i think they actually like did an experiment where they measured sort of the uh like the level of effectiveness between the the brand account and like someone like a an actual personal account and um i think he found that it was like it had one fifth the reach and effectiveness from the company account than like a personal account and even when they ran ads when they ran ads to the personal account it had like double the click-through rate um and cause I don't know, there's something psychological, you know, about just like it being a person, right. And, and being more, uh, people connect, can connect with it more.
1: Yeah. I think with Twitter too, especially, I know like if I'm scrolling through the Twitter feed and I see a company logo, I almost tend to assume that it's an ad. I assume that it's promoted tweet, even right. though it might not be. And it's like, you're so much quicker to scroll past it. At least I found I am.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. here it is. I'm coming to my thread <laughs> where I named a whole awesome. bunch of of uh, uh different examples here. Oh my gosh. Wow, do I have the longest threads? Okay, here we go. Um a couple of examples that really stuck out to me um were oh yeah, so Tim okay, so what Tim shared was Yeah, the click through rate was uh, one point six two versus percent versus like point two, point two five, point four four, point seven. I think at the best. Um. So yeah, I mean, on average, it was like at least double, sometimes triple or quadruple the quick the the click through rate. That's a mouthful, but um yeah, I mean, there's so many examples. I think like. Uh, What Drift did with David Cancel and Dave Gerhardt and the Seeking Wisdom podcast, like they just built up these huge personalities. And that's really what drove the brand Elon Musk exhibit A (laughs) of uh, the power of a personal following has 37 million Twitter followers. (laughs) And it's mainly promoting Tesla. Uh, There's almost, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds, Kylie Jenner, like the personal brand. I just think these days is way more powerful.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even in our world uh you know, I learned about Ernest Capital through following Tyler on Twitter. Uh, right. yeah. And he's still really the the face of it. Um same with like Justin Jackson and Transistor. Um yeah, there's there's probably several more.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's how, how I would think about it. And then that's also, I'm trying to tell myself to not feel guilty about posting on the, the Swipe <laughs> Files account that much. Yeah. Um, cause I really don't, I haven't put any time or attention to it, but I'm putting everything into my, my own Twitter account and building that audience and and building trust there.
1: Cool. Well, yeah. Speaking of Twitter, I think I saw over the weekend, you said that, uh, it looks like swipe files has been doing quite well with the community and, uh, yeah, what's going on there?
0: Yeah, it's been going well. Um, I was I was also just looking back on October. October was sort of like the month that I really like launched the community, and I'd sort of started to seed it in like late September. About October marked the sort of like beta, or I guess like the alpha beta, and now launch of the community. Um, and it's been going really well. I have uh, up into the right curve of members as well as engaged members and users as well. Um, and I've have, I kind of stumbled upon this really fun thing where I, I sort of did it on, on accident, but I noticed like within circle, they show you you know, who your most engaged members are. And they, they, they have a couple different ones, but one of them is like, here are your top members. And it's kind of like this formula of like, you know, how many new posts have they created, how many comments, how many likes have they received on each one of those or comments or whatever. And, um, it sort of turned into like this competition as well, where people are trying to dethrone me, which is going to (laughs) be really hard. Um, but also trying to, you know, raise up in the ranks. And, um, so there's kind of this fun, like culture of like, who can be the most helpful, which I'm like really excited about. And, uh, but yeah, it's been going well. I mean, I've just been trying my (coughs) best to to keep engaged in there to keep showing up. Um, I just keep thinking back to, uh, some of the advice I got, you know, from the community people uh, just about like, okay, community requires you to show up every day and to think long-term and to just like literally just to show up and just to, to be there. And so every day trying to check in, post, comments, be helpful, invite people, uh, getting people like DMing friends and being like, Hey, here's an interesting post. Like, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, would be happy to, you know, give you a free year of membership or Uh, even give you a lifetime membership if it makes the most sense. Um, So, yeah, it's been going well. And I think now like I've, I've sort of, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about like launching the community at first. And I think now that's sort of easing and I can kind of feel the momentum building and it has some inertia to go on its own. So now I'm thinking more about, okay, how do I launch the next thing? And how do I keep this going? Keep kind of building on top of this foundation that I've built with it.
1: Yeah. No, that's awesome. I think one of the, you know, it makes me think of indie hackers and how in the early days, the, the community, I mean, even still now, uh, so helpful, so encouraging. And I've seen the same thing with swipe files and, uh, you know, not only is it sort of the fun, like gamification of who can be the most active and most helpful, but also, uh, you know, I, I made a post, uh, on swipe files last week, um. You invited me to do the, the Think Tank Thursday, which was really cool. And I was shocked at the the number of comments uh, and suggestions that people provided, the level of quality, and you know, just knowing how much time people took to read and then respond to that. Uh, I think that tends to spread in a community. It's like, okay, now I've received all of this great help from people. Like I wanna be, uh, providing that same value to other people in the Swipe Files mm. community. And I'm sure that's that's kind of just growing and growing in, in the community right now.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a big part of it. And actually I still need, I have a draft uh, of, of my response to your Think Tank <laughs> Thursday as well. So Uh-oh. more thoughts coming. That's been one of the interesting things too. It's something I mentioned um, a while back, but there's like this interesting kind of like async, uh, like nature of it being built within circle and not being like Slack is very like real time yeah. and very in the moment, you know, kind of banter back and forth. But if you're not there, like even when you're there, it's kind of hard to keep up sometimes cause you're like trying to place your comment at the perfect time. But if you're not there, then like you kind of completely miss out and you just sort of like read through the thread later. Um, whereas like a forum is, is like maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's very, it's like too async, you know, where you're like, I'm going to post this and I'm not sure if anyone's going to ever see it, but like people might respond, you know, like within a week or something. Um, so right now there's this really cool balance of like, you know, someone posts something within a few days, you know, immediately there might be one or two within a few days, there's a few more comments. And then, you know, now I'm seeing there's comments even on posts going back, you know, two or three weeks, which is still okay. It's not like a spammy thing, like in Mm -hmm. some forums. Um, But yeah, it's been an interesting part. And one of the other things I was thinking about was, uh, you know, I'm kind of gearing up to redesign the landing page and create a dedicated page to sort of showcase or promote or explain the community as well. And I've been having a hard time trying to figure out, like, I had a friend ask me like, why why do people, you know, buy a Swipe Files membership? And I was like, oh my gosh, why do people buy a Swipe (laughs) Files membership? (laughs) <laughs> and then it sent me down this whole rabbit hole of like, you know, wh- what is sort of like the mission and what are the jobs we done and why do people hire it and why would they invest in there's a whole bunch of things, but I kind of settled on like a few core things, which is, uh, I think what people from what I've heard and I need to do more. so It's not like completely kind of set here, but there are a couple of threads. One is that, uh, starting from scratch, you know, reinventing the wheel. Like if I can accelerate or kickstart or help you, you know, go from zero to one. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, Number two has been like the community aspect. I think a a sense of belonging um, and having someone to give in, you know, feedback on or just connect with other people. And I think especially now it's sort of more important than ever to feel like you're a part of other people that are like you. Um, And then a third one has been like this, you know, mediocre marketing kind of cliche marketing that I'm like trying to go against and like Mm -hmm let's just get rid of all the like lame marketing that it's out there and let's like really push the boundaries and see how creative we can get and how different things can be and how to, how to really do kind of outstanding work and do your best work and equip people to do their best work. And with that said, that's with those kind of like in place a little bit more, you know, it's helped me think more about what types of new content do I want to create and what do I want to, what do I want to keep investing in with the community? And, um, so it's, I don't know, I haven't like quite nailed it, but I'm like, I think closer to figuring out like uh, how to really position swipe files and talk about the benefits of it.
1: Have you heard from anyone after they've signed up, say why they signed up?
0: Um, A few people, yeah, but not, um, not as many as I should. And actually it's one of those things like I need to have I wish I could actually bake it into, like, the onboarding a little bit, but I might be kind of, like, over-engineering it with Webflow. But I think I just need to have, like, an autoresponder email that's just like, hey, so you signed up. would love to know why you signed up, if you can tell me. Um, but I've had a couple of people offer it, you know, but it is along those same lines of, like, a lot of people just want to be better, sort of, like, pushing themselves, you know, personal development, career development. And then the second one has been... Um, the sense of community, like people are, some people are really desperate for a sense of belonging with like-minded people. Um, and then some were in it for like the content, you know, and, like the kickstarting, like they just are avid learners and want something to be able to, to draw from. So there's a few different threads in there. That's why it's a little bit hard. It's like, well, I, I don't know if I should just choose one or like, I kind of have to have a few different things that I'm promoting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's okay for, you know, a community like that. It's like, everyone's going to have their own different perspective and get something unique out of it. Um, so I wouldn't really worry too much about trying to pigeonhole it into one thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I know it's going to change too. So I'm just trying to find like a starting point where I can jump off of, off of, um, two more quick updates for me. And that'll be, that'll be for me. I'll put it back to you. If there's anything else, top of mind for you is, uh, one, I've been thinking about sub-recording so more episodes for Everything is Marketing, the new Swipe Files podcast. And uh, the more that I, you know, I was really kind of like gung-ho about, okay, I want to do this right. I need to, you know, learn about the podcast premise and really make sure I have something unique here, but also be able to interview people in a way that's that's helpful. And um, there was a, there's a whole bunch of content and like advice out there. Jay Akunzo's content from a marketing showrunners has been outstanding and one of the thing one of the kind of epiphanies that I've had is a little bit insecure about like well I need to ask the right questions and I need to like really think hard about you know how to describe this and how to pitch someone but I think actually a job as an interviewer is to get good answers not to ask good questions like I'm really it's at the end of the day I'm just there so it doesn't really matter if you ask a question or if you ask two questions or if you don't even ask a question if you just like say something that's intriguing that in that uh, encourages or sort of inspires someone to give a really good answer or talk about something interesting or share a good story. Like that at the end of the day is sort of what I'm after. So just one of the things I've been learning and kind of sharing out in the open there. Um, the other one is I have two exciting announcements. One I can't share yet, but the other one I can share, which is that I'll be working, uh, part-time like 10, 20 hours a week with Derek Reimer at SavvyCal doing some consulting. So I sort of alluded to it last week that I was (laughs) changing my mind about my whole consulting, you know, putting my head down. Um, but I'm really excited to be able to work with him. And now there'll be some public accountability to make sure I do some good work for him. But, uh, I'm getting started with him right after this call, actually.
1: Nice. That's, that's super exciting, man. I, uh, I alluded it to it last episode as well. I just started using Savvy Cal, uh one week ago, and huge fan of the product already. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It's so well done by him, yeah, so that'll be Yeah,
0: great. it's a fantastic product. I was already like in his ear every other day <laughs> sending him feature requests and yeah. sharing ideas about how to market it and sort of my thoughts because I'd had a similar idea because I feel like there was a need for it. Um, so yeah, now I get to get paid for it a little bit, help be a part of his journey. gets the, the inside look into the roadmap and help will try to make it a success. So, um, yeah, it'll be, I mean, it's a very part-time it's basically, you know, 10, 15 hours working project by project. Uh, but I think it's a, it's a good fit. I'm really thankful for him for giving the opportunity.
1: Yeah, that's really cool.
0: Cool. Well, anything else on your end?
1: Nothing for me. No.
0: Cool. All right. Well, let's wrap it. Um, we'll have as many of the links and mentions in the show notes. Uh, if you can subscribe to a friend, that'd be awesome. Otherwise, we'll see you in the next one.